Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Aimless Shower Thoughts. It's been quite a while since I've made an episode, so I apologize for that. As with everyone else, there's just been a lot going on, but I'm really glad that you've come back and listened to more of my podcast. As always, this is a community for people to be able to come and listen. I'm here to just share random thoughts, deep thought processes. Sometimes will be things that are super random and funny, super lighthearted. But if anything, this is a place where I can put my thoughts and hopefully in it, you all find something that helps you feel a little bit more comfortable and confident in who you are and understanding that you're not alone. Some people think about these really deep thoughts that seem wrong or seem like too much and you're afraid to say them out loud. And you know what? I'm here to break that stigma. I think that we should be able to talk about anything and everything as long as we are being true to ourselves and as long as we are being honorable and respectful to ourselves as well and the way that we feel. Today's episode is kind of a big one. Um, I knew that I was going to record this uh, yesterday, but I ended up not getting to that. Some things came up and, you know, I kind of just went with the flow. Also, my power was was out. Actually, was it? No, I think I was going to do this on I forget Sunday. I was going to make this episode on Sunday, not yesterday. I apologize. I am in Texas. So (laughs) we had no power yesterday and it only came on at three o'clock this afternoon. So um, I'm going to jump right into it. Today, I'm going to talk about respecting the journeys and lives that others live and throwing out the idea that the way that we successfully live our lives are the way that others must live in order for us to be able to accept and understand that they could possibly be happy. This is a pretty big one. I'm going to try to be as brief as I can because I only have uh, at most 30 minutes before this thing cuts me off, I've learned. Uh, So I'm going to try to make this brief. Quick synopsis is I grew up in the LDS Mormon Church, Latter-day Saints. Um, And in it, I did not have a very good experience. In fact, my first husband. Uh, we, we got married in a Mormon temple. We did everything right. Uh, and even then, uh, there's a lot of things that we really weren't aligned with. And not to say that that is a direct reflection of the religion that I grew up in or that we were both a part of at that point in time, but it was a huge factor in the way that my ex and my then husband viewed things, which actually plays a huge role because trying to be as brief as possible. I grew up in a very diverse household. I have a sister who's a part of the LGBTQ community. I have another sister who's Catholic. Uh, There's me. I have no claim to any religion now. I am spiritual and I respect every walk of life. I believe that everybody has a different journey. Like when I came to the Mormon church, as I was growing up, when you came to church, you were expected to wear really nice formal clothing every Sunday. I personally know people who feel very uncomfortable wearing that kind of clothes. And if anything, it's a huge reminder of trauma in their lives where it's like, I'm not even rich enough to have this or even have clothes close to this. How am I ever going to fit in? How can I feel comfortable? And it's just not the right environment for them. I still have more than half of my family who are still members of this church. And so I have a lot of 
a lot of love, adoration, and respect for those in my family, my friends even, who are still members of this religion. I personally don't believe in religion. I I don't, I feel that I became the most confident version of myself whenever I decided to actually get a lawyer because it required a lawyer to get my name and records removed from the church. And a lot of people would be like, well, why, right? So this is where I get to dive in. I grew up believing that the only way that I could be happy is if I got married in the temple, if I had children, if I had a big family and I had this family to show for how successful and how righteous I was and how good of a disciple I was to Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. There were a lot of good things that I was taught growing up, a lot of guidelines that were like, hey, you know what? Here's some really good guidelines of how you should live and it's going to keep you safe. Yeah, like teaching kids, hey, don't just go have sex. Like that's super smart. There's a lot of scary things that unless you know and understand and truly like take the time to get to know, very important, just like drinking, just like being around the right people. But there was also this different flip side to it that really just didn't set well with me. I had a lot of trauma myself with bishop encounters, being locked in offices with men when I was a minor, being told things that were highly inappropriate. Um, And the reason that I felt I needed to talk about this now is because there's this huge push that people generally believe that because there was a solution for them that worked, which by all means, anybody that we love or care about, we're going to want them to be happy. We then want to use the same tools that we use to find our happiness, peace, and joy. And we are convinced that it's going to help others. I've come to learn that with lack of experience in life, with lack of experience in hardships or truly opening our eyes and being compassionate and kind, and most being, you know, lack of being emotionally intelligent or a lack of truly getting to know people and just being very engrossed in oneself, being very self-centered a lot of the times, we lose that vision, you know, and, and I'm not saying that everyone's self-centered that's this way. Sometimes it's just a lack of experience and a lack of exposure that we tend to think that there is no possible way that this person could be genuinely happy because they're not living life the way that I am. And I've been told by people who coached me and mentored me, and I'm not speaking as myself. I guess I am kind of speaking as myself because this is what I was told and was indoctrinated into my brain and brainwashed for me to believe was that, you know, people can't possibly be happy. The only way you can be happy, only way to tell you that you're going to be happy is if you're being all these things. I was everything that was expected of me. I was a very righteous, active member of the church that I was in. I married someone who went on a Mormon mission, which is messed up in its own way to teach men in the Mormon church that if they don't go on a mission and to teach women to look at men who don't go on missions for whatever the reasons may be. And it's none of their business as to why, because The same God that they love and follow also gave him the gift of being able to have the free agency to choose, felt that they shouldn't, or maybe a medical problem came up. You know, I remember growing up and seeing if somebody came home early from their mission that 
there was something wrong that they messed up. It was a big no-no. They must have done something super wrong. But, you know, teaching them that they're not worthy or that women should not go after or marry men who have not served Mormon missions is part of what really, you know, I did it right. I married someone who went on a mission. Um, I'm trying to not make this all about religion and about the religion that I grew up in because honestly, there's so many different viewpoints to this. You look, I, I lived in Utah for 10 years. I just moved to Texas and I'm seeing a lot of like, I'm in the Bible belt, you guys. <laughs> I live with people who have parents who are pastors, preachers, whatever it may be. And I'm coming to find that even these kids are like, well, and they're just like spewing out this stuff that I'm like, I can't even be mad. I empathize with them because I used to be them. Um, you know, uh, I've seen this on the other side, people who are atheists, people who are not religious in any way think, oh, you're not really happy because you're being controlled by the idea of a deity. Um, something for me that really bothered me and actually was freeing once I did leave and was a huge push for why, aside from all the trauma that happened to me when I was in the church in terms of bullying and being locked up as a minor with a male adult who is in his 40s or 50s, I don't even know his age, um, being held against my will, being asked about sexual things that I didn't even understand the terms and, you know, whatever too. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, there's people out there who are going to say, you know what? No, there's no way that you could be happy because you're being controlled. But that's the thing is that people think that, you know, who are religious think, oh, you're being controlled by Satan. You know, whatever your ideology is, whatever world you have created in your mind. And it's always intriguing to me. Human behavior drives me to deeper understand everyone. If anything, it has helped me learn compassion and empathy and a kindness that I would not have been able to achieve when I left the church on my journey of making sure that I was doing what was best for me for what I really wanted to make sure that I was actually happy and I wasn't trying to convince myself. Um, my then husband, who was that RM, who was the shine, you know, knight in shining armor that I was always told to go after, told me that that was the only valuable thing about me and told me that he wanted a divorce, um, which, you know, any logical, mature adult is going to take that very seriously. And I didn't let him take that back. Um, I knew that he, having grown up in that religion, he was never going to truly be happy with me. And that's true. Um, so we ended up getting divorced. Uh, but in the same turn of events, um, instead of feeling like, you know, and I can only speak from my perspective of, I felt like I was always taught to never trust my own feelings or my own thoughts. I was told that if I thought it up or I felt it and I didn't pray about it, that, <laughs> you know, there's no way that I could truly be sure about it. And so I always doubted myself. And it was a very abusive tactic. Like I look back on it, like that tactic was pretty awful. That tactic um, made me question my ability to trust myself. And that's honestly what I, we were always taught. Um, I forget the scripture, but it's like, <sighs> 
men cannot trust the flesh of men, so we can't trust how we feel. And I'm like, that's kind of backwards because having faith was this, you know? So trying to turn this and shift this away from this religion that I've chosen to leave and I'm doing, you know, I, I respect to the best of my ability for myself, I will never go back. And I have plenty of stories for anyone who would love to hear more about why I'm not a member, but that is not what this episode or podcast is about. Um, if anything, this is about how we project onto other people like, you've got to be this, you've got to be active. What if somebody literally hates themselves more, the more that they work out and they find true joy and just kind of going with the flow of what they need. That is their comfort, right? And you're telling them, unless you're fit, unless you're ripped, unless you're this or that, unless you're eating these diets, unless you're, unless you're helping people all the time. And maybe this person has social anxiety and you're like, unless you're out there constantly serving people and volunteering and helping others, you will not be fulfilled, you know, kind of in the same twisted context, you are creating a toxic environment because you have brainwashed yourself into belief. Well, I don't know if you're brainwashed. Okay. It's a good fit for you, right? I need to take that back. It is a good fit for you. And I love that. I love when people find that thing that fits their soul. It just fits it. My thing that fits my soul is traveling. It's connecting with people and being so open to letting go of myself and of my selfish tendencies and my anxieties that the more I did it, the more I realized that I was letting go automatically and it created a room for these people to tell me their truths. And instead of my anxiety being like, well, are they being real or honest? Which with my upbringing and where I left from <laughs> ingrained it into me to do that. I found that no, people were not secretly in pain and suffering because they drank coffee or because they drank alcohol or because they'd lived with their partner before marriage. I found that there's a whole different sector of psychology, sociology, human behavior, all sorts of different things that come into play that have literally nothing to do because you could have five people make the same decision. And each of them are going to have a different outcome. And they could all be the same religion. They could all be, quote unquote, living the same lifestyle. And not all of them are going to end up happy, successful, in a good mental state, healthily taking that course, or even in a good spot to where they're able to grow and prosper. But I mean, what's the catch? Why is it not all five people who came from the same background? You know, not background, but are, are in the same place in life. Why are they not going to? Because we have no idea. And, and I want you all to, if anything, look at it this way. You have no idea the psychology of the crap they went through as a kid. The things that were said to them, the way that things were said to them, the tones that things were said to them, because that is deeply ingrained into who they will be when they grow up, right? <laughs> it's not about, you know, because I grew up with a father who was extremely abusive, who went to the temple, Mormon temple, and served my entire life. And in my own book, I think there were times when 
he wasn't necessarily quote unquote worthy to serve in that capacity. Because that takes a rigorous process of interviews to be able to even do that. Whereas there are other people who are, are genuinely good people who also work in a Mormon temple, right? There were people that I grew up with who, and they had such positive experiences with church and with religion and with their parents and with their families and they weren't bullied and they didn't have the medical problems that I did, but we all came from different things because the deepness of a personal journey is as easily explained as the fact that I am one of nine children and not a single one of us can look at one memory and can walk away from the entirety from beginning of end to end of that memory and have the same experience. We all experienced it differently. We all perceived it differently. We all felt differently about it with things that were joked about. Someone was hurt. Someone's feelings were hurt. Someone was physically hurt because, you know, we pushed them a little bit because we were teasing and they just took it the wrong way. Like we just never know the depths of everyone's unique secular journey and I think that the more that we embrace the unique journey and deep impact that their lives have played on them, maybe, you know, it's, it's all about perception. Um, even people with um, autism that are on the spectrum and they don't find out until they're an adult, they've actually found that for a lot of those people, it wasn't found when they were young because that's not when it started impacting them experiences in life, the way that people perceive things, the way that things impact people can actually stunt them or help them grow. And I'm not, and I'm saying stunting, not saying that people who have autism are stunted. I feel that I'm stunted in so many ways and I'm not on the spectrum, but I'm, I use that because it's a very intriguing find that I've recently looked into. But um, with that being said, uh, we we have to understand that there are people who, in their young developmental stages, through their teen years, that every single thing that they've gone through, that nobody's lived the same exact life. None of us, even if we have lived such a severely similar life, have gone through the same exact set of feelings because we haven't. So in that, Maybe I'm going to use someone who means a lot to me as an example. One of my absolute favorite foods is enchiladas. Love enchiladas like there is no tomorrow. I have nothing but great memories of cooking. I've always loved cooking and these great memories of making the best enchiladas. And this person, it means so deeply much to me. I adore them to degrees that they will never know, and they mean so much to me, have a traumatic event or traumatic feelings that are surrounded with enchiladas. Interesting, right? Like, here I am going, oh my gosh, you know? But if I were to be like, oh, you know what? Forget about it. No, enchiladas are the best. Like, what if I went at it after they had told me this and I said, no, enchiladas are the absolute best. You just have to forget about the stuff you went through. Just forget about it even though it was severely traumatic and damaging, you know, for me to do that and to say, no, because I had this great experience, obviously it's my job to make you 
forget about your feelings, that'd be so self-centered and it removes the opportunity for me to understand, for me to honor and respect what they've gone through and to hold their feelings and experiences with the utmost respect and sacred ground that it needs to be held upon because these are real feelings, whether I felt them or not. And I have to respect that that is a real thing that happened to them. And I don't fault them for it. I'm not sitting there going, well, one day I'm going to change their mind about it because quite frankly, I'm not in a place where I ever intend on doing that. And I would hope that we'd all understand that as we learn, instead of taking it so personally that someone has not, because we're all looking to connect by finding people who have similar experiences or who are similar to us, which is not wrong, but we take it so personally and we get so hurt because we're looking for that connection because we're so desperate for that connection that it, it, it hurts a little bit when you're like on this roll and you're just super connected and you're like, oh, well, you're struggling this way. Well, you should just do this. And they go, oh, oh, oh. And then they just shut down a little bit and they go, I had a bad experience about this. And we go, oh, well, no, no, no. You just didn't see it the way that I did. And you're right. They didn't. And just because you had a great experience, that's, that's beautiful that you did. It is not our job to force someone to do something that they have already vulnerably shared was difficult for them. When somebody says no, or seems standoffish or distant when you mention something, and we can tell it's bothered them or that something's happened with that kind of situation with them before, the way that we should react should not be us trying to convince them to think and feel the way that we do. That's not what this life is about. That's not what the whole human experience is about. I don't have it figured out. I don't know exactly what this human experience is about. All I know is that I deeply love and care about and appreciate people in my life. And these people that I'm coming to understand the depths of their grief and sorrows and pain and the ways that I've, I've come to know the most beautiful, darkest parts of someone's heart and life has been by embracing the light that they have become, despite or in spite of these things that they've gone through. So while we, we go about things, and I'm, this is in no way me saying, don't try to help others, don't do it. I'm saying... Be mindful, be courteous, be considerate, compassionate, and embracing and supportive of each individual that you encounter. And if you look at every single person like they have and know something that you don't know, that they have something that you can learn and grow with just by knowing them, I promise you, if you go into every conversation and every, you know, situation um, where you encounter them or anyone with the mindset that, and I, I try to tell people this, I enter every conversation with the intent to understand. And I mean that. Not to understand why it is that they're hurting my feelings or why they are not going to agree with me. 
but to understand them. The best way that I've ever learned to love someone, to care about them, and to truly help them has been by looking at each person as a, not so much a, a canvas to paint, but with each thing they share is a beautiful picture. And, you know, every place I've gone in the world is different, but so connected in its own way. I've gone through so many heartaches in my life. I have dealt with so many insecurities and so much pain and so much self-doubt, so much betrayal. I've been backstabbed. I've had people who've known exactly where to strike and I told them where they could strike and it would work. And they did. And they struck repeatedly. But I look at every person as they share these depths of their souls and it's such an honor. I hope that as you go about learning about others, that you understand the value of trust and vulnerability. That you may be, if you, you know, you open your eyes and your heart, maybe you can come to understand why it is that they couldn't go to church and be LDS. Why, why it is that they just feel bad or they get this bad feeling or it, it's such a huge point that triggers them to run by feeling uncomfortable dressing their best. Or why it is, you know, understanding, because I knew that this person had told me enchiladas was not their thing, like that was their thing, they could not. And I didn't pry, I didn't ask why. I just respected it. And I embraced that it was their journey and story to tell when they were ready, and they did. So look at everyone as someone to love not with the intent to gain anything out of them, not with the intent to get them to do what you want, but with the intent of maybe they have something, a key to life that could help me, Not maybe not now, but maybe in the future. Um, maybe they are, like, just look at every single person that way. Like, they have a beauty about them that you're trying to understand the fine details of. Because um, uh, I have a secret to let you in on. Everyone has something. Mm. The true art of memory, the true art of love, compassion, and support, in my opinion, is the art of attention. It's the art of genuinely caring, listening, of attention to the details. May we, instead of getting stuck in this idea of, I have the answers that you're looking for, how do you know that you do if you don't truly know the depths of their soul? How, like, instead of having that mindset, look at every person and respect, honor, and admire their own journey, even if it does not mirror your own.
Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you got something out of this. I hope that in our trials and in our struggles to find peace and to find belonging in finding ways to be worthy of the trust and love that others give us, that we do our best to honor people for exactly who they are. I mean, you could have someone go to the doctor and they think penicillin worked for this thing. Surely penicillin is going to help with their depression. It'll definitely help with their broken arm. It's definitely going to help. That penicillin is going to help with this miscarriage they're having. Take whatever it is. And that's not always going to be the answer. Even though it helps some things, you've got to look at it as being able to diagnose. And it's not your job to diagnose people, but if you pay attention, you find ways to develop a love that is so unique for them that you're able to conjure up. And maybe they need that. But don't fake it like, oh, I have the answers and you haven't even taken the time to truly know their souls. Take that time. Thank you for listening again. I hope you have a great night.